0: Before we start, let's have a word of prayer. Loving Eternal Father in Heaven, I thank you for bringing us here today. I thank you for your word and your truth. And I thank you for the opportunity to be able to speak to your people this morning. I ask that you may guide my words and please use me as your mouthpiece and help me to deliver this message to help us to all get a better understanding of what our purpose is in this life. I thank you, and I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Did you ever think about that? What is our purpose? What are we supposed to do? Jesus, when he was delivering that famous Sermon on the Mount, probably my favorite three chapters in all Scripture, because he almost covers everything, in those three chapters. But he tells them in Matthew 5, starting in verse 13, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is there thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. Have you ever thought about what, the, what they used salt for back then? It was used to preserve things, food, from going rotten. You know, they didn't have refrigerators back then or ice boxes. They used salt. So Jesus is saying here, you're the salt of the earth. What are we supposed to be salting or preserving? It is the truth of the gospel. God's word. So right away, uh, Jesus is telling his people, you're the salt. You're the ones who are supposed to be preserving my truth. And if you lose your savor, you're good for nothing. So if you're not preserving my truth, you're good for nothing. You're just going to be cast out. He goes on to say in verse 14, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So he says that we are salt and we are light. We're supposed to preserve the truth and we're supposed to let our light shine. This is not a new principle that Jesus is introducing here. But this has always been God's will for man since the beginning. It was his people who were supposed to be doing the work and showing the rest of the world who have gone astray what the truth is. And and who uh, and to reveal God's character through their lives. In Exodus, let's go to uh, Exodus chapter nineteen and verse five. Says now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Now there's so much to learn from the book of Exodus. You have pretty much the entire plan of salvation laid out in Exodus. It's a very uh, interesting study to do. So if you can, do what you can to study that book. And you'll see everything laid out in there. But from Adam... To Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob, God had set up a certain people. People who were following him. And it got to the point where the children of Israel went into captivity and they lost sight of God and who God was. So that idea of preserving the truth and being a light had gone out. Through the 400 years of captivity in Egypt, the children of Israel forgot who they were and where they came from. So God had to remind them. And He brought them out with a mighty hand out of the bondage, out of bondage, out of Egypt, by Moses. And He tells them here if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine why is that why would they be such a special treasure it's because most of the world disobeyed god and went astray from god so he pulled out his people who he had kept a promise with through abraham to bring back and use as an instrument to bring back the truth to the to these lost people. Deuteronomy chapter 7, starting verse 6, says, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So it wasn't because the children of Israel were this mighty nation wasn't because they were better than anybody else, but it was because God had made a promise to their forefathers. Abraham, when God had called Abraham out, he said, I will bless you and multiply you as the stars of heaven. So God was keeping his promise. This is why he dealt with these people in a special way. But it was for a special purpose. It wasn't because they were any better than anybody else. They had a job to do. In Desire of Ages, the opening page to this wonderful book, it says, Yet God had chosen Israel. He had called them to preserve among men the knowledge of his law and of the summons and prophecies that pointed to the Savior. He desired them to be as wells of salvation to the world. What Abraham was in the land of his sojourn, what Joseph was in Egypt, and Daniel in the courts of Babylon. The Hebrew people were to be among the nations. They were to reveal God to men. Wow. God does not do anything haphazardly. There's a purpose behind it. There's a reason why they were called the chosen people. And it was for this purpose. And this purpose alone. It was not so that they can set up a kingdom and so they could say, you know, we're better than everybody else. That was not the point. The whole entire point of them being the chosen people was that they were supposed to be God's instruments to reveal the truth. But they got a little high-minded. Unfortunately... As you continue to read from Exodus all the way up until Jesus comes, these people were struggling. They wanted the blessings of God, but they also wanted the luxuries of the world. So God, being as merciful and patient as He was, was working with him, was working with these people and trying to get them to fulfill the purpose He had for them. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 33. Ezekiel chapter 33, we're going to start at verse 1. Again the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people, and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coasts, and set him for their watchmen, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet, and warn the people. Then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet, take it The sword come, take it away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him, but he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchmen see the sword come, and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. Here God is telling Ezekiel to tell the children of Israel, You are the watchman. And the purpose of the watchman is to warn the city. So if they, if the watchman is up in his tower and he sees an army coming towards him, he is to blow the trumpet to warn the people that there is trouble coming. And God goes on to say, if the watchman is faithful and blows the trumpet to warn the people and they do not heed the warning the watchman is not guilty of anything. The people will have to face their own problems then. But if the watchman sees the trouble, doesn't blow the trumpet to warn the people, and the people die, then the watchman is held accountable. Thinking of this spiritually now, If we know the truth, if we know what is right, and we do not share it with anyone else, we then are held accountable. God has given us a message, has he not? To warn the people, fear God, and worship him, create the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Come out of Babylon. If anyone worships the beast. Right? The three angels message. Not only that. But to proclaim that there is a risen savior. Who is willing to forgive us of our sins. Who does love us. So we are supposed to be bringing out the gospel message. To everybody who we can come across to. Every opportunity that we see. We are supposed to take. If not and that person dies in their sins without being warned, then it becomes our problem. Think about the nation of Israel. Over those thousands of years where they were supposed to be God's chosen people, they were supposed to be the city on the hill. They were supposed to be the light of the world. They were supposed to be the salt of the earth. Yet they were selfish They had become prideful, thinking that because they were God's chosen people, they were better than everybody else. They kept the truths to themselves and did not witness to the outside world because the Gentiles were not clean. They didn't even want to associate with them. Uh, As we were listening to the children's story about the woman at the well, you know, did not want to associate the Jews didn't want to associate anybody who was not a Jew. Especially the Samaritans, because they were a combination of the Jew of Jews and Heathens. They thought the Jews thought that the Samaritans were an abomination. They didn't want to have anything to do with them. But here we see it is not about what you are on the outside it, Jesus cares about the inside he cares about the heart so he sets up example after example of what we are to do as his followers Daniel while the children, while the children of Israel are in captivity gets a vision of a time of probation 490 year prophecy for his people for the remission of sins. In other words, God was getting fed up with the children of Israel. Grace does have its limits, and they were wearing out God's patience. So God gave the vision to Daniel and said, you ha- your people have 490 years to get their act together. 490 years. That is a long time. And if they don't get their act together, it, the nation, their, the blessings and everything is going to be taken away from them and given to another. And we see this played out after Jesus dies. See, this this just goes on to show you how merciful God really is. The Jews killed Jesus, God's son, and they still had three and a half years of probation left. How merciful is our God? So after Jesus is crucified, they have three and a half more years to get their act together, and they don't. And it ends with the stoning of Stephen. And if you go back and read that account, it shows that Stephen was going over their history. And that's what drove the Pharisees crazy because he struck them right at the heart. And they wanted to stop hearing it. So they killed Stephen to silence the true witness. So, as the prophecy said, it would be taken away from them and given to another. Then, after Stephen uh, was martyred, the gospel goes out to the Gentiles. We see through uh, Peter and Paul and the rest of the apostles that they start preaching the gospel into all of the heathen lands. So they start to essentially fill fulfill the purpose that was lost. Back to Matthew 5:13 through 16 you are the salt of the earth but if the salt has lo- have lost his savor wherewith shall it be salted it is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men The Jews lost their savor and they were cast out So, the blessings from the nation of literal Israel now goes out to the world. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, and starting at verse 28, says, For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. So, Paul is showing an example of what it means to be spiritual Israel. It's no longer about being an outward Jew, the literal nation. They lost their privileges because they did not do what they were supposed to do. Now, he's saying it's not about being a Jew on the outside, it's about the inside, it's about the heart. Is the heart converted? Are you a Christian on the inside and not just merely on the outside? A lot, of people can say, a lot of people do say that they're Christians, but their actions speak otherwise. So, are they circumcised on the outside or on the inside? That is what matters. So, the blessings go from literal Israel and now it goes to spiritual Israel, meaning anybody now the gospel message becomes a and Jesus instructs us to let light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So how do we do that? Well, there's examples that Jesus gives. Especially if you look at Matthew chapter 25. You know, when he goes over the list. uh, You know, you fed the hungry. You gave drink to the thirsty. You visited the widow. You went to the prison. Those are all things that glorify God. Why? Because they're not... They're unselfish acts of love, which reveal God's character. People should be able to see us and see Jesus. They should know that we are Christians without even having to open our mouth. That is the strongest witness you can ever give. That is more powerful than any sermon that can be preached on any pulpit. If your life lines up with Jesus, you're doing what he asked you to do. There was a quote that Ellen White had that I had just read that I forgot to put up here, but she was saying that Jesus was just as faithful in fulfilling uh, the, God's requirements in being a witness, working in the carpenter's shop as he was healing people. Why? Because he was, a Christ, he was a follower of God at all times. So people saw he was patient. They saw he was kind. They saw that he didn't take advantage of them, even in his own place of business. So everywhere we go and in everything we do, we should be glorifying God in how we conduct ourselves. That is being a Christian. It's not just saying, I'm a Christian, I go to church, you know, I pay my tithe. It's living like Jesus. First Peter 2 and verse 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him, who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, that should look familiar because we read something, we just read something in Exodus chapter 19. So it didn't change. God's purpose for mankind did not change. It never did. The only thing that changed was it went from a literal nation to anybody who accepts it. So we who walk with God and follow him are spiritual Jews, spiritual Israel, still fulfilling what he wanted us to do. And he wants us to be a witness. Um, Notice how Peter says, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and a holy nation, a peculiar people. That means strange. You know, in in the world we live in today, if you're a Christian, you're weird. Just to get down to the nuts and bolts of it. If you're really following God, you're going to be different. You're going to stand out. People are going to know there's something different about you than everybody else. But that's a good thing. And he also says that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Didn't God do the same thing with the children of Israel when they were in bondage? So this is why I say the Exodus is such an awesome story. Because if you look at the story of the Exodus spiritually, you have these people who were in bondage, in captivity, And God leads them out to where? The promised land. Isn't that what Jesus is trying to do with us today? To lead us out of a world of sin so that we can go to the promised land, heaven, New Jerusalem. It's the same thing. We see the literal story and we can apply it spiritually because that's what's happening. In Matthew 28, this is what we call the Great Commission. At the the close of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, starting in verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So, Jesus commands all of us. Notice it says, Go ye therefore. It doesn't say, Go ye therefore, pastors. Or, Go ye therefore, elders. He just says, Go ye therefore. And teach. How many nations? All nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And he finishes it with a promise. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Brothers and sisters, we have a job to do. We have to... It is our purpose to minister to others. And really... If you're not doing that, you're not only hurting those around you, but you're hurting yourself as well. Because that's what keeps you strong. When you get something and you give, God fills you up again. But if you just keep it to yourself, and don't share it, you're just going to wither away. Turn with me to Mark. Chapter six. Mark chapter six. Starting at verse thirty eight. Now this is when Jesus performs the miracle of feeding a multitude of people. Uh, verse thirty eight. He saith unto him, He saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. When they knew, they say, Five, two fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, He looked up to heaven and blessed and break the loaves and gave them to his disciples. The set before them and the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. When we talk about bread in the Bible, we talk about the word of God. So what? happens here is what happens when we share the word of God. We receive the word from who? God, right? Everything was given by God. Now that we have received it, what do we do with it? We give it to the hungry, those who do not have it. So what is being shown here when Jesus feeds the multitudes, he blesses the bread and the fishes, he gives it to the disciples, and it's their job to distribute, to feed. And what does it say at the end of that? They were all filled. So it is our responsibility To seek out the hungry and feed them with the bread of life. That is our purpose as spiritual Israel today. That is being a true and faithful witness for God. In closing, I want to read this quote. Says, Christ's followers are to be more than a light in the midst of men. They are the light of the world. Jesus says to all who have named his name, you have given yourselves to me, and I have given you to the world as my representatives. As the Father hath sent him into the world, so he declares have I also sent them into the world. John 17:18. As Christ is the channel for the revelation of the Father, so we are to be the channel for the revelation of Christ. While our Savior is in the source of the great illumination, forget not, O Christian, that he is revealed through humanity. God's blessings are bestowed through human instrumentality. Christ himself came to the world as the Son of Man. Humanity, united to the divine nature, must touch humanity. The Church of Christ, every individual, disciple of the Master, is heaven's appointed channel for the revelation of God to men. Angels of glory wait to communicate through you heaven's light and power to souls that are ready to perish. Shall the human agent fail of accomplishing his appointed work? Oh, then to that degree is the world robbed of the appointed influence of the Holy Spirit. That's from the book Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing, page 40. That's a strong and powerful quote. It's God's desire that we are his instruments to be witnesses in this world. He already sent his son to give us the example. And now, through his son, we are to continue to witness. So, Every day, let's put our prayers before God. Lord, help me to be a witness for you today. Just look for opportunities. They may be very small. It may just be something as simple as, you know, would you like to pray? Or invite them to church? Or give them a tract. It's not, it doesn't have to be anything spectacular. Um, You know, you don't have to do An evangelistic series, every time you witness to somebody. It's little things. Show them Christ through your character. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, I thank you again for your truth. I thank you for the lessons that you have taught us through it. And Lord, what a great responsibility it is to be a witness for you. As you may help us to stay faithful and to help us to do all that we can to finish this work and to reach as many people as possible. Please guide us with the Holy Spirit and help us to live a godly life that will glorify you in everything we do, Lord. I thank you and I ask in Jesus' name, amen.